Well, I'm kind of sad today because this is the last message that, uh, that we're going to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll never speak about it again. No, I'm just kidding, man. We've achieved it. We've arrived. No, it's, uh, we have spent a lot of time on Sermon on the Mount, and um, I, for one, have been extremely challenged by it, and, and um, I hope that you have too, and I hope that it's something that continues to challenge you, because this is, this, is, uh, this is the crux of Christianity. This is what it means to live it out. This is what it means when you look at converting to Christianity, when you look at this, this whole teaching that Jesus does, you, this is what he's calling us to. This is what he's saying, if you're one of my followers, this is what you will look like. You will inhabit these characteristics. You will bear this fruit. When people look at you, this is what they will see. Now, I get it that we're human. As we always say, we always have that big fat disclaimer up front, right? So let's put that to the side. We're all human. Yes, yes. We're all going to struggle at times. Yes, yes. The problem is, for some of us, when people look at us, they see more of the struggling side than they do the other side. And that's something's, something's a little bit off. And today we're going to talk about that a little bit off, but we're going to hopefully end on a high note, but it's going to be very challenging. Because as Jesus ends this Sermon on the Mount, He presents this huge challenge, or this huge decision, this huge choice that we have to make. And so this morning we're going to conclude the whole Sermon on the Mount by taking a look at that. Um, I was uh, l- listening to some music this week, and came across something that was kind of interesting. Um, you guys, how many of you can date back to, some of you can, so how many of you date back to REO Speedwagon? Remember REO Speedwagon? I don't know how I got on the REO Speedwagon this week. I got that Spotify on my computer, and I was kind of listening to some stuff, and I, somehow I got hooked, got over into REO Speedwagon, and I started listening to them. And what, what really kind of grabbed my attention was well, their lead singer, uh, who did most of their lead singing. His name's Kevin Conley, is that right? I forget his last name, Conley or Connor, something like that. But um, he started off with them at the, kind of the early onset. I'm not, I'm not preaching REO Speedwagon here. This is a, it's just, it's, a, it's an illustration. Once I give it, you're going to be like, I don't get why you use that illustration, but I don't either. I'm just sharing it with you. Um, I just thought it was interesting because um, he, he kind of started off with them, and then there was a small break, and then uh, a couple years there, and then he came back, and he replaced an individual that never really started with them, but was offered the position, and that guy's name was, was it Greg X. Volts, right? Was it Greg? I See, I'm missing the names now. If you know who Greg X. Volts was, he was the lead singer for Petra. Now, those of you that date back into Christian, the, uh, early, the early Christian rock music kind of started off. Petra was kind of like one of those first bands, I think, that kind of started it. But what's, what I found very interesting was Greg X. Volts never took the lead position or the lead singer that he was offered for R.U. Spiegelwagen because he had just converted to Christianity. And he made the decision to say, this isn't where I should go. I need to go over here. Now, I'm certainly not saying that he couldn't have stayed with REO Speedwagon. There's many Christians that, that um, live and, and operate in the rock world, secular rock, rock world, and they're keeping their faith, they're keeping their testimony. I get that, and, and, and that's, that's very valuable, and that's where God has them. But for Greg at the time, made the statement, I can't do this because, or what I read was, he converted to Christianity. And it just hit me. He converted to Christianity. I wonder how many of us in here can say, I converted to Christianity. Some of us will throw the hand up really quick because they say, well, I'm saved. Well, I have this relationship with Jesus. 
And I want you to really think about it. Because when it comes down to it, when you say, I have Jesus within my heart, I've accepted that free gift of, 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 of grace and mercy and salvation, what you're saying is, or what you should be saying is, I converted to Christianity. This isn't who I was, and I converted to this way of living. And, and that's what the call is of discipleship for every single person sitting in here that, have, that has received that free gift of grace and salvation. It's no longer, I'm going to continue to live, wow, I've got this really cool fire insurance thing now, you know, and I can just kind of bebop around a little bit. Or I can, you know, take it a little bit serious, but not take it a little bit serious. You know, I can still have, you know, still kind of enjoy life and kind of enjoy these things and, and, and this other stuff. And I'm not saying that the whole Christian walk is supposed to be boring and hard and tedious and all this other stuff. What I'm simply saying is, which is very profound and hard, I should, you know, add, is that when we convert to Christianity, we're saying, I believe that this is the truth. I believe that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. I can't coexist. I can't buy into the culture in which is being demonstrated to me on the outside. The world. I can't entertain. I can't be um, accommodating or be... Um, what's the other word I'm looking for? There's another word where we kind of... we Compromise. We, I can't compromise. Yes, you're going to say that I am... Um, you're going to say that I am narrow-minded. Absolutely I'm narrow-minded. Because I believe that what the Word of God teaches is that there is only one way to Christ. I've converted to that. I believe His teachings. I believe when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Me. I believe in that. Therefore, I can't believe in this other stuff. I can't entertain these other ways of living. I believe in it. I've converted to Christianity. Does that describe you? We're living in a day where Paul wrote to Timothy and he said there's going to come a time. And, and, and I, I, I get to, you know, everybody I think says that, you know, we're living in the day, we're living in the day. But would you agree with me that we are really living in the day that the church, there's certain churches that preach things that just tickle men's ears. Because we're faced with some pretty big decisions. I don't know about you, but I've been reading and I've been watching and I've been seeing how the nation is going and how states and, and the federal judges are legislating certain ways. Guys, there's going to be a time where I'm sure we will be persecuted to say, and it's happening now to certain churches. I don't know if you've been reading some of the things. There's this, there's this marriage um, chapel out in Utah, I believe it was. And they said, we will not, a, a, a same-sex marriage came to them and they said, we want you to marry us. And they said, we don't believe in that, we can't do that. They're being sued. And they're possibly going to jail for it. Some of us say, well, we've got to be accommodating, we've got to love, we've got to do this. I agree with you, we have, to, we have to, but at some point, when do you start compromising? When do you start saying, well, I think we can do this and do that? Guys, there's coming a time where converting to Christianity, you're going to be persecuted. And, and I'm not so sure we've faced that yet in America. Jesus is saying the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount so many years ago. He's saying, this is what my people are going to look like. It's vastly different. It's going to be hard. I need you to give everything you have towards this. I need you to lay everything down. I need you to consider what you're committing to because this isn't half in, half out. It's all in. It's an all-in proposition. 
And as we read the Sermon on the Mount, the first part of it, the very first part, we t- where if you flip over to, uh, if you've got your Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 5, uh, the first few verses we often label them as the Beatitudes. He's saying, this is what my people are going to look like. This is the humble disposition they're going to have. They're going to be individuals that show mercy. They're going to be poor in spirit. They're going to mourn. They're going to be meek. They're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, he lays out this, these, this disposition and says, this is, this, you're going to be a blessed individual if you take on this disposition because this is, the, this is what it looks like to convert to Christianity. He goes into the second part of this. We can take as we take this whole sermon on the mount, chapters five through seven. We we look at it and we can break it down. You have the first part talks about our characteristics, our beatitudes, our dispositions. This is what we will look like as followers. The second half, what we look like, what we see and read and study, and what we've went over is this. He's saying, unless you supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of God. We've ta- we talked about this. We keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Jesus is concerned about the internal versus the external it's all about the heart regardless of what lip service we give it it's all about the heart and jesus is saying it's about this internal because the internal is always going to come out on the external it's going to change those around you you're either going to you're either going to exude grace mercy love all those things or you're going to have toxic stuff coming out and that's not what it means to convert to christianity your disposition has been changed. Your attitudes, your perceptions have been changed. You are now living, you're taking it to the next level. It's not one thing to not sleep with another man's wife, but, it's, but we don't even think about it. Jesus raised the bar. And then the last part was what we're going to look at today is his concluding words, which are extremely powerful and extremely convicting because he's calling to discipleship. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're converting to Christianity, if you are going to say that you are one of mine, this is what you will look like, and you have to make a decision. It's a decision of discipleship. That's something that we don't like to do in our world today. We want to kind of be accommodating and all this stuff. What Jesus is saying, it's not accommodating. It's one or the other. And when we look at what we're going to look at today, he talks about the handful of things, comparing and contrasting. He compares and, cross, uh, compares and contrasts. There's two gates and two ways. He'll go on to talk about two trees. He'll talk about two different types, two different types of disciples. And then he concludes this whole message with two different types of foundations. So let's take a look at this this morning as we look at his, his words, his concluding words about this whole Sermon on the Mount, this, this thing that he very taught, that he taught us. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, if you would please turn there with me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. I'm going to read these uh, out loud to us. And um, he says this. Last week we talked about the golden rule, and we're going to pick up a tree and its fruits. In verse, um, actually it drops down to verse 15 there. I'm sorry, it does start in 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. I'm reading from the ESV. If you have an NIV, it's going to be somewhat close, but follow with me. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's stop there. Uh, Mark, if you can just advance one. I've already did kind of the overview there. But let's start talking about this, this two gates and two ways. Jesus is saying this. He's saying 
that it's simply put, I mean, as we read that, we can pretty much understand what he's saying. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to what? Destruction. There's going to be a lot of people that go towards destruction because that's the absolute easy way. That's the numbless way. That's the way that doesn't require much thinking. That's the way that doesn't require really a decision in a sense because it's just like you're meandering around and it's like, you know what, this way's much easier. I'm just going to go this way. And Jesus says that gate is wide. There's going to be a lot of people that enter that gate simply because it's extremely wide. It's not going to take much to enter that gate. It's, 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 it's wide and it requires really uh, the decision. In fact, you're, you're making the decision not to follow Jesus or trust Jesus. And the way of discipleship is confining. You can't do whatever you want. That narrow gate says, this is what you're going, it's going to look like. If I'm converting to Christianity, if I'm calling Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, if I'm taking Him on, if I'm, if I'm this person, this is what it's going to look like. And guys, that gate, as Jesus said, is very narrow. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people, there's not a whole lot of people, you know, I don't know what that number is, But the point of it is this. It's much more difficult to go through that narrow gate. Because you're saying, I can't entertain a lot of things. There's only certain things that I can entertain. And those things are going to be of Jesus. And those are the things I'm going to do. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in His way. I will follow after Him. I will study. I will learn. I will understand His way. And I will allow His way to characterize my life. Not what I think it should look like, but what he thinks it should look like because I'm converting to his way, his his path. And that gate is very narrow and that gate is very hard. But, but, if we go through that gate, that's when we experience what we are truly, truly looking for. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for significance. We're looking for value. We're looking for life to have meaning and meaning to the fullest. And that's what Jesus said he would provide. But that gate's narrow. And for some of us sitting in here this morning, we haven't walked through that narrow gate yet. We're still in that wide gate because it's much easier to participate in the wide gate versus the narrow. Let's face it. I go through the narrow gate, I might lose a lot of friends. I've developed a lot of friends, a lot of relationships over the years. And when I start going down this other path, I don't want to lose them. I want to be able to minister to them. Guys, I'll be very careful. A lot of times where we'll sit down and have discussion about marriage and, you know, uh, you know, the Bible's very specific about a believer not marrying an unbeliever. And you hear often the believer saying, well, I can convert him. I'll convert them. And what you're saying is, I'm going to use my marriage as a tool of evangelism. That is a very risky thing to do. Because the Word teaches us that typically what will happen is one will get pulled off to the side and it's usually the one that's trying to follow Christ. It's narrow. It's difficult. It's hard. Why would anyone take the broad road that leads to destruction? Because they don't know where it leads. For some of you sitting here this morning, you don't know where that path leads, but you're on the wrong path. And I'm sorry, but I know that sounds like strong preaching, But that's what the Word of God teaches. And I think that's what we need to be as a church, to be able to preach strongly, to say, guys, this is what the Word of God teaches, whether it offends you or not, this is what it teaches. And we can't apologize for that. So right off the bat, Jesus is saying at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, hey guys, there's two ways to go. One's very broad and the other one's very narrow. And the narrow one's going to look like this. 
You're going to look like my people. You're, you're going to look vastly different. The second one that he talks about, that he describes here in this concept of, of, of uh, discipleship, are two trees. And in this one, he picks it up in verse uh, 15 there, and he says this, Because of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every health, healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree, are you following me? A healthy tree cannot what? Bear good fruit. Or bad fruit, I'm sorry. You are following me. You thought I messed up, didn't you? I was, I, I, my toe went in, but I got out real quick, didn't I? You're exactly right. So, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Why is it that in the church we get into these debates that says, don't judge me. I'm bearing bad fruit, but don't judge me. Guys, can we just establish a ground rule here that says this? No one's judging you, but when you bear bad fruit, you're bearing bad fruit. If you went out, you farmers went out, and you plant corn, and it never bears anything, what do you do since, well, let's just love the thing. I won't, I, I'm not going to rip it out and do something new. My livelihood's going to get down the tank, because, but I can't, you know, God bless this crop, whatever it is. It doesn't make sense. Somehow in the church, we entertain that type of absurdity. No one's here judging, at least hopefully. Not. I'm not talking about judging, because the Bible does, I think it's very clear that, the, that, that Jesus teaches his followers not to judge other individuals. But we are called to have a discerning spirit, and if we could use the word judge, we are called to judge certain things and say, you know what, that's not right. Could I say anything up here out of my own opinion that's not rooted in the Word of God, and you just sit there and say, oh, bless him. That's not truth, but bless him. We're not going to judge him. We'll continue to come. We'll continue to follow. We'll continue to listen to him. But, but he's preaching heresy. He's not preaching truth. How many of you would literally sit and listen to that? My mind is amazed sometimes about individuals who listen or underneath teachers who are ravenous wolves that are not teaching the, the, the truth. And we tolerate it. People tolerate it. I pray to God we will never be that type of church. That we will stand up and discern from the Word of God to say, that's not correct. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Jesus is saying, good trees will bear good fruit. Bad trees cannot bear good fruit. Jesus says, these false teachers will be known by their fruit. Every single one of us sitting in here this morning will be known by our fruit. The second one, or the next one I want to share with you is the two disciples that he talks about. He talks about two disciples, and this is where get, he starts getting really poignant here, and this is where it starts getting really interesting. And, and I've, list, I've, I've read these verses numerous times, and they're some of the most disturbing verses, I think, within the Word of God, because he says this, Not everyone who says to me in verse 21, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's disturbing. Not everyone that's going, that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does what? The will of the Father. That's the one. 
He says, on that day, many will say to me, tell me this, isn't, tell me this doesn't scare you at times. Tell me you just don't sit back sometimes and you just have this prayer with God and say, God, I pray that I'm right. And I don't think we have to sit around and, and, and speculate our salvation. That's not my point. But I'm telling you what, these words are very strong to me. And he says, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name? Eugene Peterson, did we not do these God projects? Holy cow, you're telling me that you don't know me? Do you not understand what we've done? And he says, there's going to be a day when people are going to come, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied your name. We even cast out demons in your name. I think the, I think the key here, guys, is the power in Jesus' name. That anybody, an unbeliever, can say Jesus' name and the spirits are going to follow Jesus' name. Hey, do you remember that one story, and I think it's in Acts, where they were trying to cast out demons and someone was trying to do it out for their own for their own profit. Remember that story? And they went and they looked at the guy that had demons and they tried to cast them out. And the demons went from that person to this person. They said, hey, we know who Jesus is. We don't know who you are. Who are you? That's the same thing. Some of us say, well, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. You know, I, 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 you know I've accepted His free gift of grace and salvation, but that's kind of where it, kind of where it ends. And Jesus says, that's, that's not... It's knowing me. It's doing the will of the Father. And he, says, and, and he says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is such a sad verse in a, in a, in a very heavy passage where Jesus teaches this. But I think, again, his point is this. Are you a true disciple or are you not a true disciple? You know, when you say, I am a disciple of Christ, I've converted to Christianity. Okay, that's, that's, that's great. And I'm not asking you to question your salvation here this morning. I'm just saying as Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount, He takes it up to the next notch to say, you're going to follow Me. You're going to, if you're converting, this is what your life's going to look like. If it doesn't look like this, something's off. If you're not bearing good fruit, something's off. If you're always walking around with a critical spirit, you're always walking around with this... this, this it's like you're never... You can tell. You can tell. Are we a true disciple? Have we walked through that narrow, narrow gate? Are we bearing good fruit? Do we truly believe in the words of the Scripture and we're moved to action? James says, that's great that you believe, that you believe in Jesus, but what are you doing with it? Is it being demonstrated out? Because if you truly believe, it's going to be demonstrated out in your walk, Correct? You're going to bear good fruit. Your, your walk is going to look totally different. James says even the demons believe in Jesus and shudder. They're scared of Him. Jesus says, if you're my true disciple, you're going to be all about the will of the Father. You've been changed. You've been converted. You're made new. You're one of mine. The false disciples say that we're, they say that uh, they, they say words that are true and even do works that appear to be good, but false disciples, however, they don't do the will of the Father. They don't really know Christ. And then the second thing, or the third thing that he teaches here, and this is really where it comes down in the crux of his, his teaching, is this, this, the two foundations. Remember that song we used to sing about the, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock and then the other one built his house upon the sand? That is really the summation of the Sermon on the Mount. The person who truly embraces the words of Jesus Christ, the true disciple, the true 
good tree, the one that's walked through the narrow gate, the one that is about doing the will of the Father, will take Jesus' teachings that are found here and in our prayer life and other things, but they'll take His teachings, they will meditate on His teachings, and they will build their life upon them. And Jesus says, you take my teachings and you build upon them, you're, you're building on a rock foundation that's not going to shift. Look what he says in verse 24 there. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You know what Paul teaches about that? I think it's in Corinthians where Paul says, we're all going to know what foundation we built upon. Because the foundation that's like built on hay and stubble and all that stuff that's very temporary... The, the things that we have built our lives upon that are part of this world, the things that aren't going to stand time, that's not going to stand the wrath of God, they're going to be burnt up. And the ones who have built their life, again, Paul taking the words of Jesus again and saying, the ones who have built their life on the solid rock will escape and will be ushered into heaven. What foundation are you building on? What foundation... Are you committing your life to? What is your life about? Is it the words of Christ? Do you spend time in the Word of God understanding His teachings? Understanding who He is? Understanding the very essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ, looking to His Word on a daily basis, looking to His Word to make every decision in your life? I mean, what, what decision do you face? You say, well, I really don't need to consult the Word of God. There's, you know, there's some of us that we're, unfortunately, I'm sure, I, I'm assuming probably everybody has done this. I can include myself in this. I'm standing here and I'm dealing with the implications of making decisions not based upon the Word of God, but based upon Gail's thinking. And those implications seem to haunt me, and they will haunt me in a sense, for a long time. Whereas if I would have just spent time in the Word of God and said, God, is this, where, is this where you would have me to go? God, I'm seeking you for wisdom. I'm seeking you for revelation. God, I'm seeking you to give me instruction because I want to build my life on a solid right. Folks, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not married, I would urge you as you begin to look for a spouse or you're dating or whatever you may be doing, whatever you find yourself, is that you will find someone that's rooted in the Word of God if that's where you're building your life. If you're sitting in here as a parent, do you take the Word of God? Do you open it up? Do you say, this is how I should discipline my child. This is how I should raise my child. This is what I want my child to know. People that are in your, your career, second, you know, maybe you're moving into another uh, direction of your career. Maybe you're, uh, you're going to be graduating college. You're going to be going, where, whatever it is. What, do you ever sit down and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do because I want to build my foundation. I want to build my life upon your foundation. I want to do what you want me to do. Jesus says, these teachings, they're hard. 
I think that's exactly what he's illustrating here. I think he's saying that they're hard. And he's saying not everybody's going to, to follow. Unfortunately, as I sit here and we talk about this, some of us agree with it. We're like our kids. You, you ever have that moment with your kids? You tell them something for like the 400th and billionth time and they give you the okay, I know. Okay, if you knew, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Some of us are sitting in here this morning. The only person we're fooling is ourselves. We're not building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We've got this pseudo thing going on. And it's not going to work. It doesn't work. It can't work. Jesus is saying the only way this is going to work is to commit everything to me. Some of us in here this morning, we may be followers of Jesus Christ, but maybe today's a day where the Holy Spirit is going to rattle us and shake us and say, it's time for you to step it up a notch. This apathetic, lackadaisical living is not cutting it. You get so passionate about other things, but you don't really get that passionate about me. Maybe today's a day where we sitting in here this morning, we take this message, we hear the words of Jesus, and we contemplate on them, and we allow the Spirit to direct our thinking, and we allow the Spirit to move our thinking to the point where we ask ourselves the question, am I truly building my life upon these words? And oh, by the way, let this Word of God answer that question. Because some of us, we answer that question, but we have a lot of tolerance for other things creeping in, which isn't where Jesus is wanting to go. This passage, this whole, as we wrap this up, it invites us into this huge self-examination process. And guys, I'm going to be very clear. This is where we do this with a friend or a trusted person. Okay? I'm telling you, and we can sit and we can talk about it, but I'm telling you, the worst thing you can ever do is to say, I got this on my own. I got this on my own. I'll figure this out. My Christian walk, my spirituality is a private thing. That's, that's great. Where did you get that at? If, I mean, I'm not being critical. I'm not trying to sound whatever, but I would love to sit and talk with you because I do not believe that's what the Word of God teaches. In fact, I believe the Word of God teaches the opposite. We're called to live this out together. I think the last thing that Satan wants you to do is live it out with somebody else. Because it's so much easier to withdraw and say, well, I'm basing it all upon my study, my perceptions. Wow. Hebrews tells us, don't forsake assembling together. Paul writes relentlessly on the one another's. Serving one another, encouraging one another, admonishing one another. It's all about community. The, this thing that we're living in is all about community. This, this walk is about community. And it's not about just going to some small group, having a piece of pie, and discussing a couple superficial thoughts, and then leaving. I'm not criticizing small groups by any means. But if that's the extent of your small group experience, I would invite you to take it deeper with someone that can look into your life and say, these are some things I'm kind of observing, and I, I man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be real with you. See, it's so much easier to shrink back because that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to pull back and say it's nobody else's business but yours. And the problem with that is sometimes, what, or the problem with that is we never see another perspective. We get so wrapped up and if we're distracted, if we're blinded, we don't see the other side of it. 
Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron. It's that rubbing. And that's painful at times. Some of you know what that feels like. Some of you have had people in your life where they've rubbed up against you in a good way, but it was painful. They rubbed up against you and they helped you grow through a certain part of your life. And that's what, it's, that's what it's about. And there's times where that does not feel good. I've been through some of that. I continue to put myself in that type of position with some trusted friends and individuals within my life. That's not a pleasant place to be at times because when someone comes into your life to say, this is off. You say this, but you're really demonstrating this. That is very frustrating. And I get that. But when we allow that to happen, there's this cathartic spiritual, the spiritual health growth spurt that comes through that that just jettisons us in to the, um, to the next level. This passage, as I close here in a few moments here, this passage that we've talked about with the two gates, the two disciples, the two trees, guys, and the two foundations, what it's doing is it's concluding this whole Sermon on the Mount with simply this. It's time to make a decision. No fence riding. It's either one or the other. I'm either all in or I'm not. Because that's how Jesus sees it. I'm either all in or I'm not. This is a time of decision. Am I going to walk through the wide gate? Am I going to be a tree where I say that I'm this type of tree, but I never really ever bear that fruit? Am I going to be... Um, am I going to be uh, you know, a disciple that's not really doing the will of the Father? But I'm ready to claim fire insurance, per se. Hee-ha-ha. I'm ready to claim that. Am I, ready to build my, am I ready to build my life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? That's the decision that this Sermon on the Mount, we spent months and months in this, and it comes down to that. It's the call. Am I in or am I not? I hope that we as a church, I, I would... I would, I would, it, I wish everybody in this room right now would take this and say, I'm in. And when it says I'm in, it says I'm going to deny myself. What may be the easy way of living? My, what might be the way that, 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 that could come easy to me or I don't have to deal with difficult things like that? I'm rejecting that and I am in. I am going to be the tree. I am going to be the disciple. I am going to go through the narrow gate and find salvation, I'm converting my life to this. That's what this Sermon on the Mount comes down to. Do I truly believe or don't I? It's one or the other. I get there's a lot of things within the Word of God that may be gray. We can kind of say, well, man, it looks like it's saying this, but it also looks like it's saying this. And we kind of, you know... You know, Paul says this about, you know, this, and then he says this, and it seems like it contradicts itself, which it never contradicts itself. It's just we don't understand fully just yet. But folks, this is very clear that this is a black and white issue. I'm either in or I'm not. I'm either going to commit or I'm not. Some of you in here this morning, you've been coming, you've been dancing, you've been playing, you've been courting, you've been dating Jesus for a long time. And Jesus is pressing on you right now through His Holy Spirit and saying, are you in or are you not in? Are you in or are you not? Are you tolerating or are you going to be all in? Some of you in here this morning, you're in, but you're kind of discouraged. 
Satan's kind of got the distraction blinders on you a little bit. You're kind of focusing on the horizontal stuff. And you kind of get wrapped up in the horizontal. You're in that moment of horizontal where instead of keeping vertical, we're kind of distracted about this and distracted about that. And next thing you know, we become so passionate about something over here that, that yeah, it's got some significance to it. But when it comes down to it, it has nothing in comparison to this vertical part. And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning as a believer and it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm all in. And some of you are sitting here this morning, you're all in. You've been all in. You're excited. You're contagious. Please keep on keeping on. And please pray for others that are riding the fence that need to make that decision today, one way or the other. So, as the worship team comes, we're going to close, we're gonna close this portion with a, with a song. And I, want, I just want to put it out there before you guys. Where are you at? And here's what I would like. If you're sitting in here this morning and you, the Spirit is pressing on you, I don't believe you're here by coincidence. I don't believe anybody's here by coincidence, by any means. You're here for a reason. And maybe today's the day. If you're here this morning and you're ready to walk through that narrow gate instead of that wide gate... And become part of Jesus' family. As we, clo- as we close this song, I want you to come forward. And I want you to pray. Now I want to pray with you. The elders will come and pray with you. I want to pray with you. There's going to be others up here praying with you as well. We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate your birthday. Because this is what it's all about. This is why I'm here. I'm not here to entertain people. Because I probably don't do a good job at that, right? But I'm here to speak about Jesus Christ. And as a human, I struggle too. But I want to tell you something. I want to give my life to this. That's what I want for my life. And I know, as I said, that there's times where I struggle with that. There's times where I say something sharply to my kids, where I raise my voice with them, or to my wife, or to others, maybe to you, or whatever. And I want to say I'm sorry, and I'm trying, but I want to commit my life to this. Because this is what matters. Are you in? As we close with this song, I would love to see people just come forward and pray and recommit or whatever. If that's where God is leading you, I would love to see that response where people are coming and they're saying, I am in. Folks, this is what we've been praying about when I asked you to pray and fast. And I just appreciate you guys doing that because God is moving in our body. Things are happening. People's lives are being changed. I've had the conversations with people. People's hearts have been turned to Jesus Christ. And it doesn't escape me that we are fasting and praying for God to manifest His Spirit here in a very powerful way. And it's happening. And today, I just pray that we would respond to Him. I don't know where you're at. If you've been riding the fence, if you've been dabbling with the white gate, if you've been bearing fruit that's really rotten and stinky, if you're a disciple that's kind of lethargic right now, would you come forward and let's just pray together. Let's recommit all this together as we go into this Christmas season just lifting God up in His glory because He has just demonstrated Himself and He continues to demonstrate Himself in extremely powerful ways that we can't even articulate. I want to open this up. I pray that you would just come, pray. Let's come. Let's be all in. I'm going to close with prayer, and then we're going to sing. I ask you just to respond the way God wants you to respond. Let's just stand and let me pray with you. Father, 
thank you so much for this message you've given us. And even though it's heavy, we know that it's there for a reason, that we're sitting here for a reason today to hear these words. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would convict. I pray that your spirit would find freedom in this room, starting with me. God, I, I pray that you would just work through this room. You would press heavily upon individuals that don't know you yet, that's walking through the broad gate that leads to destruction. And today, they might do a U-turn and come back and walk through that narrow gate, committing their life to you and being a part of your family. And Father, I pray for those in here that we've called you to be our Lord and our Savior. And we say that we're a disciple, but we haven't really been living it the way we should. I pray that our hearts would be changed as well, that we would come and that we would respond to you and we would acknowledge that I, that we are all in giving you our lives. And Father, for those that are in here this morning that have been living passionately for you, I praise you for them. I pray that you would continue to encourage them. I pray that you would just fill them up again, continue to renew them. And I thank you for their prayers. I thank you for their dedication to fasting and praying for this church and for the people of this community that needs to hear your message of love and grace and salvation. Father, would you just take this time and do what you do best, and that's to bring yourself glory. And we give all this to you in the powerful name of your Son, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.